Welcome to the Encounter Church Podcast. For more information about our church and service times, please visit revival.me. Enjoy the message. There's a beautiful uh, hymn in the early church and uh, it was very early, first century, actually. So how many love good worship songs that have substance that were written a long time ago? Yeah. You know, like the one we sang this morning. And there's other ones that, that I could think of. And every once in a while, I'll send an old one. I didn't send that one to the worship team. I don't like making requests as a senior pastor. I like the worship team to run and paint on the canvas that's in front of them. Um, but every once in a while, I'll pull a senior pastor card, and I'm like, if you did this, I love you. I'll love you more. And uh, I don't remember the old song. Um, it's actually a real simple song, but uh, the song, Spirit of the Living God, Fall Afresh on Me. You know, to this day, they don't know who wrote it because it was written in a revival. I think when things are written in revivals, nobody looks for credit for it. But there's songs like that that are just holy, they're sacred, they're pure. And there's an early church hymn, and it's in Ephesians chapter 1. And we're going to talk about this, and I want to read it to you. I'm going to teach you the three points, but the three points are going to be expounding on the three verses, because there's three verses, and there's three courses, and then I'm going to end it with a bridge. I'm going to end it with a, a, a closing sound, if you will, to tie it all together. And Ephesians chapter 1 is, uh, Ephesians in general, is just such a profound, profound epistle. Uh, it's considered one of the, the pinnacles of theology in the, in the New Testament. And, and I want to just read, let's, let's just open up, if you have your Bibles, open up to Ephesians chapter 1. I'm going to read just a few verses. And we see the first verse is about the Father. This is an ancient Trinitarian hymn in the early church. And then there is a course at the end of the first verse to the praise of the glory of His grace. Then it begins to talk about Jesus, the Son, and then it ends in verse 12 to the praise of His glory. And then it talks about the Holy Spirit, and it ends with, to the praise of His glory. So I'm going to talk about these three verses, but let's go ahead and read verse 1 of Ephesians chapter 1. You all ready? Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God, to the saints who are in Ephesus and the faithful in Christ Jesus, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed be the God, our Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ, just as He chose us in Him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before Him in love, having predestined us to adoption as sons by Jesus Christ himself, to Himself, according to the good pleasure of His will. And then here's the course to the praise of the glory of His grace. Isn't that beautiful? By which He has made us accepted in the Beloved. 
Then it begins to talk about Jesus. In him, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of grace, which he made abound toward us in all wisdom and prudence, having made known to us the mystery of his will according to uh, his good pleasure, which he purposed in himself. Is it okay if I read the Bible to you this morning? All right, we are in church. I just want to make sure we can read some verses today. That in the dispensation of the fullness of times, he might gather together in one all things in Christ, both which are in heaven and which are in earth in him. In him, we also have obtained an inheritance. Come on, somebody. Being predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will, that we who first trusted in Christ Jesus should be, here it is, the course, to the praise of his glory. So good. And then lastly, verse 13, it says, In him we also trusted after you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom, having believed, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession. Here it is again. Say it with me. To the praise of his glory. I want to preach a song to you. And it's a song that Paul wrote that's from the very heart of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit that was about you and I. Do you know that God sings songs over you? You know Zephaniah 3.17 says that He rejoices over us with singing? I think it's just as much worship for us to hear the song of the Trinity than it is for us to release a song because we love him because he first loved us. And there's a song written and and it's glorifying the love of the Father, Son and Spirit. It's glorifying the reality of our of our redemption. But this song is also about you and I and every human being that has ever existed and will ever exist. And it's a song that was actually thought of, if you will, or written about before creation itself. And this is what this song is about. And I want to start with point number one, expounding on the first verse, which is about the Father. Yeah. And this is, the, this is what happens when we behold who God is, that He is worthy. And this is the authentic gospel. He is worthy. The Bible says, worthy is the Lamb that was slain. Scripture even says this in Revelation 13, that the lamb who was slain before the foundation of the world. Well, we know Jesus wasn't slain before the foundation of the world, but he knew what it would cost, and it was not just plan A or plan B, it was always his intent. And this is what Paul's saying. It was always God's intent that you would be adopted. God always dreamt, the Father always dreamt of a son and a daughter just like you. And when we behold that truth, it changes us. It transforms us. Number one, I believe the first verse is about to be loved and to love. Say that with me. To be loved and to love. The longing to be loved. You know, the years I've been alive, the years I've been, I've had friendships, the years I've been a husband, um, a father, a pastor, a leader, a friend, all of the above, I've learned that every single person has been designed by God to be loved and to love others. And this is what we see where Paul is talking about the beautiful 
the riches of His grace, the love of the Father, that we're the focus of His love. And, and, and He took pleasure in adopting us to be His own. In the beginning of the Bible, in Genesis, you see this rhythm of God saying, it is good, it is good as He's creation, which, by the way, ancient stories uh, this is a creation narrative that, that didn't, this is, this is totally unlike any ancient creation narrative. God never said it is good, it is good, except in the true God revealed. And, and so Genesis, there's this rhythm of it is good, and then he created, and it is good. And then it halts. There's like this rhythm, and the music stops, and God says, it is not good for man to be alone. Amen. And there's this beautiful picture that we were, we were all designed for relationship. We were designed, you know, as a, a pastor, I remember discovering the beauty of community. Like I wanted real fellowship. Uh, you know, we planted the church in 2009. I wanted the move of God. I was hungry for something genuine. And then I realized that it was the community of the saints being the, the habitation for the presence of God, the love of God that was a refuge to the broken. And I realized that people, they weren't just looking for a good church with a good sermon and nice music, they were looking for love. Yeah, that's right. And there was a certain individual, and, I, and there's so many testimonies I could tell you, and how many have a testimony themselves? Like you think about what God has done and just, un, just understanding and discovering the love that the Father has for you and I. I know. It just transforms us. And there's uh, one of the stories is there's a lady, and we'll just call her name Monique, and uh, this lady was very broken. She was involved in prostitution. She, you could tell that she had a lot of plastic surgery, and she came in, and uh, the morning she came in, we had a guest speaker, and we got a knock on our office door, and I was in there with the guest speaker. My wife and I were in there, and, and it was my mother-in-law. She said, hey, there's a lady here. She wants prayer. And uh, she is insisting that if the pastors can come pray. So we're like, okay, we'll go. And we prayed and we walked out and w immediately we're like, this, this woman is just so broken. And come to find out, uh, this, this woman had a pretty wild past. And in Las Vegas, she moved from Hollywood area to Las Vegas. Ironically, the, um, the, the guest speaker we had actually had a ministry in that area. And, uh, and he actually did, a, there was a lot of things that he did to people that were sex trafficked in the area and stuff like that. So this woman happened to come. She didn't know. She didn't come for the guest speaker. She just walked into the church. We were in an inner city area in downtown Henderson. She just walked in. And what we found out is we didn't know how to handle the situation because she was so broken. It's like, you don't really know what to do. It's like, you know, okay, do we, we, well, we lead her to Jesus, right? Get her filled with the Spirit, deliverance, all that. But it's like, it, have you ever been in a situation where like, I don't know what to do right here. I'm just going to love. It reminds me of a story Heidi Baker told about this demon-possessed girl that was mute, and she was so broken. Heidi Baker, the only thing she could do was just love on her and embrace her. And over time of pouring out love and embracing her, this girl was set free and healed, and God healed her deafness, her muteness, and just incredible story. And this woman, let's just call her Monique, would just come in, sit on the front row, and weep because she was discovering that she was loved. And that's the gospel. She was beholding the love that the Father had for her. I remember one time she prayed, and, or she asked for prayer, and she would come in. She'd always wanted to hug us. You remember? She always wanted to hug and embrace. And she said, I have, 
a problem with my liver because I have HIV and I'm going to see the doctor and uh, would you pray for me? And, and we prayed and we literally just, okay, God, we just command HIV to die in Jesus' name. And we release healing and wholeness. She goes to the doctor. The doctor's like, HIV is barely detectable in your bloodstream right now. And she hadn't been on any antivirals. It was just an anomaly. The doctor, it was a miracle. Uh, the, part of the story is one day we're praying for her and, and this, this was the surprise of the story. We knew that she was broken, but she said, um, she said, my birth name was Mark and I was raped by my father when I was a young boy over and over again. And it messed me up and she was telling the story and she said, so I transitioned and now my name is. And... Um, and we realized that this person was so broken. And I, well, how do you handle a situation like that? You, like when I'm praying, do I, it, it's a biological male. Do I call her Monique? Do I, but all we needed, all we knew how to do was just love. And it was the love of God that transformed Monique. I'll never forget it. And I realized that we all, as human beings, long to be loved. There's a story that uh, Brendan Manning tells about this nun who is so broken. All sorts of horrible things happen to her entire life. She's 80 years old and she wants to be healed. It wants to, she wants her heart wounds healed, the deep wounds of her heart healed. She knocks on the door. Brendan Manning had been praying for people. It was a healing conference in, in the charismatic Catholic movement. And, and uh, she walks in, she says, and he goes out in the hallway and she says, I'm so broken and, and I just need healing. What do I do? And he teaches her a prayer. And it's a simple prayer. It's the Abba prayer. It's Abba, I belong to you. And he says, I want you to pray this every day. And she prayed it. He said, turn your palms upward and just as you inhale, pray Abba. And as you exhale, pray, I belong to you. It's actually the prayer that got me through COVID, believe it or not. When things started getting bad, I just started praying the Abba prayer, and there was a shift. There was a turn. And this old lady, her whole life had carried guilt, shame. She avoided communion. 80-something years old. And she wrote to him a month later and said, before, she's, my life has changed. I'm totally healed. I'm totally set free. And she's just expounding on this freedom that she discovered in Abba's love and the Father's love. And she writes, usually I'd write a letter and I would sign sister so-and-so, but now I'm signing daddy's little girl. Something about the love of the father. We need to be loved. We were designed to be loved. And that's what I see in this first verse in Ephesians. There's something about Abba. The early church retained the Aramaic word Abba in the scriptures Three times it's mentioned in the New Testament. It's not in Greek, even though the Greek readers might not understand it. They retained it because it was the prayer that Jesus taught us to pray. When we talk to God, we call him Father, Abba, Daddy, Papa. It's a term of affection. It's, to this day, there are countries in the Middle East. It's the first word they teach children, Abba. There's something about the first word that we speak as believers that are adopted and chosen in him that we cry, Daddy, and it's the Holy Spirit that empowers that. It's the Holy Spirit that teaches us that we are beloved children of God. Can you say amen? 
See, my kids don't need to do anything to be loved. They're loved because they're my kids. Even when their behavior sucks. Come on, somebody. Their behavior might not be acceptable, but they're acceptable because I love them. You don't have to do anything for the Father for Him to love you. He's ravished over you and I and every broken person in the world. My kids don't have to do anything. They're just loved because they're my kids. And they know this. And I try as a father to lavish my love on them and cherish them and love them and teach them who they are, that they're beloved. They're not just my kids. They're beloved sons and daughters. I want to read before I go to the next point. Ephesians chapter 1, just this part of this first verse in the Passion, verses 5 and 6. For it is always in His perfect plan to adopt us as His delightful children. Through our union with Jesus, the Anointed One, so that His tremendous love that cascades over us would glorify His grace. Hear this. For the same love He has for the beloved Jesus He has for us. You mean the eternal Son, the divine Logos that has existed forever from all eternity to all eternity, the Son of God, the beloved, the one of a kind, the unique Son, Jesus, the Father, and the Son, the same love the Father has for His Son, Jesus, He has for us? I don't know how it's possible, but that's what it says. This unfolding plan brings him great pleasure for it was always in his perfect plan to adopt us. Oh, I'm reading it all over again. Praise God, it probably should be repeated. The same love he has for Jesus, he has for us. And this unfolding plan brings him great pleasure. So good. There's something about hearing the voice of the Father over our lives that we are his beloved kids in whom his soul delights. When Jesus, in the Gospels, we see the revelation of the triune God in the person of Jesus, in God's self-revelation, hear me, in God's self-revelation, the culmination of every scripture, every, all of his covenant promises progressing up until the, the perfect image of God the Father revealed in the Son. Jesus comes out of the waters of baptism and we hear the voice. They hear the voice. We read about it. It says, that the Father said this over Jesus, this is my beloved Son in whom my soul delights. When you're born again, you hear the same thing. And guess what causes you to breathe spiritually? Hearing that over and over and over. And it brings us into a beautiful communion with the Father. And this is the song that we're reading about, this holy, ancient hymn. Number two, The second verse, first one was to be loved and to love. Secondly, to be accepted and forgiven. Can we say that together? To be accepted and forgiven. I don't know if I'm going to get to the third. I might have to preach the rest of this another time. You know, I think about the story in Genesis, Adam and Eve hiding in the bushes. 
A lot of times we think that, well, that was God, you know, God, shame and guilt, and, and it's like, that, that's just what, that's what they get, you know, they sinned, they disobeyed God, and we look at it as a legal thing, you know, they disobeyed the commandment, and that's it. No, they turned away from communion with God, and the result of turning away from communion with God was shame, was condemnation, was fear, was anxiety, was running and hiding from God. We don't see God showing up and walking in the garden and like, you know, ticked off. Did you eat from the tree? Oh, I knew you were going to do it. And he, he doesn't yell at him. No, he pursues Adam and Eve and he says, where are you? Why are you hiding? And in Christ, we are accepted and forgiven. Our souls have been scarred with the lie of abandonment because of the result of sin. But now, they went from delight to devastation in the fall. But in Christ, we are accepted in the beloved. So good. I want to reiterate what I said in the last point about my kids don't need to do anything to be loved. My kids don't need to do anything to be accepted. They're accepted because they're my kids. If us that are parents have that type of love within us, the unconditional love that a parent has, it does not stem in our own like nobility. It comes from heaven. It comes from the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And the love that I have my, for my kids that I would lay my life down, how much more if we think about the extravagant, fiery love that the Father has and it was revealed when Jesus forgave us. He accepted us. He unfolded this beautiful uh, uh, this plan of adoption. And the Bible says it is settled. It is finished. There is no, I, wa- I want to just tell you, there's no angry deity, no angry ogre monster God hiding behind Jesus. Jesus revealed what God looks like. God's not mad at you. He's mad about you. That is the gospel. And when we behold this beauty, it transforms everything. That Jesus actually accepts us, not because we you know, prayed a magical prayer. No, it wasn't just you inviting Jesus into your heart. That's good. But the reason you invited him into your heart is because he already invited you into his. He invited you and said, come drink of the waters of salvation. And it was that living water that says, I need this love. I was born for this love. I need this acceptance. Come on, I was born for this acceptance. I was made to hear the voice of my Father that I am a beloved son and daughter. And it's that truth. It's that reality that will transform you and I and the world around. People need to hear the real gospel. The gospel is not about what you can do for God. It's about what He already did for you. And when you know that, it changes you from the inside out. Addictions are broken. Lies about our identity are broken. Insecurities are shattered in Jesus' name. You don't have to fear being abandoned ever again. You are secure in his heart. I would say sorry, but I'm not sorry. That I can't get this out. That's the love of God. I have been radically transformed by the scandalous love of God. 
to be accepted and forgiven. And forgiveness isn't just God saying, you're forgiven now, okay, it's good, all right, praise God, you're blessed. No, forgiveness is infused into our being. It's done to us. It's like God pouring out this healing balm into our broken humanity. Forgiveness brings healing and wholeness through reconciliation. Forgiveness is not just, you know, balancing a ledger. Well, you're forgiven. God bless you. Thank you for confessing your sins. No, forgiveness is the reality that you are accepted in the beloved and he pulls you so close that it touches your heart and it transforms his divine love. Forgiveness is his divine love pouring out on our wounds. It's not just balancing a ledger. I'm forgiven, praise God. And then we mess up and then we go back, I need forgiveness. We realize that forgiveness is God's mercy and grace and love, his nature. It just, it, it, it heals us. It transforms us. Yes. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 7 and 8. Since we are now joined to Christ, this is part of the second part, to be accepted and forgiven. Now that we're in Christ, we've been given the treasures of redemption by his blood. Are you thankful for the blood of Jesus? The total cancellation of our sins because sin is not just a deed you do in the dark it is the darkness and disease itself sin is not just a juridical problem it's an ontological problem it's the state of our being and we need wholeness and healing and forgiveness reaches into the depths of our being doesn't just cancel our sins like balancing a leisure but here's what it says all because of the cascading riches of his grace listen the superabundant grace is powerfully working in us releasing all forms of wisdom and practical understanding forgiveness is infused into your being and it brings out transformation when you know you're forgiven you're changed you're transformed when you encounter the love and acceptance of Jesus you're transformed and there's no turning around from it can you say amen Amen. lastly number three and I'm just gonna finish it up to know and to be known the third verse is about the spirit the fellowship of the spirit in whom you've trusted, you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom you believed you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. Who is the guarantee, the, the down payment? In the Greek, it's erabon. You were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. It's the guarantee of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession to the praise of his glory. See, fellowship moves us from existence into abounding life. And it's connected to understanding who we are. We, there's a difference between being an individual and a person. An individual is in isolation. A person discovers who they are in relation to another. We discover who we are because we discover who God is. And that unfolds in the sweet communion that we have with one another and with the Spirit to be to know and be known. Adam and Eve, before they fell, they were naked vegetarians. Come on, somebody. Totally naked. Totally exposed. Totally transparent. Totally in the light. They were fully known. Right? Anybody ever have those horrible dreams where you're like in school and you don't have any clothes on? Oh my gosh! You remember the old movie, the robot movie, where the robot... He says, my upgrades, and he like hides. (laughs) 
fully known. Well, in the Spirit, you are fully known by God, and you don't have to hide. We've been called in this sweet fellowship to know and be known. To know and be known. And fellowship moves us from existence into bounding life, from being an individual to being a person in relation. Our identity cannot be revealed in individuality. Identity comes through fellowship. When we try to do it on our own, we try to reinvent ourselves when we don't know who we are into some false identity. We know who we are because we know Him. Our identity is found in communion with God and with one another. I think the devastation in the world today is a broken humanity trying to reinvent and discover who they are without God. Just look around. And, what, and we do it though, we, it destroys our relationships, our self-perception, it brings religious politics in the church, destroys our understanding of community and, and our humanity. But the Holy Spirit has been given to us and now we can abide in this fellowship. Paul's benediction to the church of Corinth, he says, may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. I want to close with some thoughts. If I could say that we've read through the verses and expounded on the verses of this beautiful ancient Trinitarian hymn in Ephesians chapter 1. It is, in fact, a divine perichoresis. Perichoresis is the word uh, that could be translated the divine dance. Oneness without the loss of distinction. Perichoresis defines to us the oneness of the triune God without the loss of their persons, their distinction. This hymn is a, a rhythm of love. This hymn is a sound of heaven that calls all of us in to relationship, to communion, to union. And why does the scripture say the lamb that was slain before the foundation of the world? C. Baxter Kruger says it this way, the relationship between God and man hammered out in Jesus Christ was not a second plan. He puts it this way in his book, Jesus and the Undoing of Adam. The man Jesus, the incarnate son, is not an afterthought or an afterword. Have you ever got an afterthought invite to somewhere? Your invitation to the gospel is not an afterthought. The relationship between God and humanity that was hammered out in Jesus is not a second plan. This relationship, this union between God and humanity in Christ is the eternal plan of God. This is what we see in Ephesians chapter 1. By the way, predestination is not time and foreknowledge. In, in the original, there, there's a lot of commentaries and scholars that actually see it. It's the verbiage that's used, the language that's used is related to entering in promised land that is promised. In other words, God has a promised land and we choose to step into it. We, we have to get it out of our heads that this exhaustive plan of God, it's like, well, it's, we're all predestined. Predestination is the predetermined heart and motivation and the love of the Father that he had that you would all, all of us would be included into his relationship. And it was not a second plan. It wasn't a plan B. Yes, he came to rescue a lost bride. You know, the reason I got married was not because, well, I, that's what everybody does. I got to get married. I got to have kids and have a house and a white picket fence. The reason I got married is because I fell in love. The reason I got married is because I long for real love and to reciprocate that. 
And God, in his heart, purposed that we would be in relationship with himself. He, he had always planned this. This is so powerful. This relationship, this union between God and humanity is the eternal plan of God which precedes creation itself. God has always purposed to become flesh. Did you hear that? This, it, this is his eternal word spoken out of his being and character as the God who loves and who is determined to bless us beyond all we could think or ask. It's not an afterthought. God is not an afterword. He's the eternal foreword. He is the lamb slain before the foundation of the world. Jesus didn't, he came to redeem us, but it wasn't just like, oh, well, they've messed up, so I better rescue them. It was always his intent before the creation of the world to be one with us. This is so profound. I didn't get married because that's just what people do. I did because I wanted to be one with my bride. I long to know and be known, to love and be loved, to be accepted. I was longing for union. And this is what I would call the, the bridge of the song, that we were designed by God to be loved and to love, to be accepted and to accept others. How many receive that into their own life? And we were designed to know and be known. And it was always God's intent. I want to pray for you right now. I want to pray that just the, the reality of that extravagant, scandalous, outrageous, fiery love, that we would hear the sound of the Father's voice saying, you are my beloved. You are my beloved. It's like I'm lost without you. I don't want to be God without you. That's what we see in the redemption. Jesus said, I don't want to be God without you. I'm willing to do whatever it takes. I will join myself to your broken humanity to redeem you and reconcile you back to myself. You are beloved and accepted. Lord, we thank you for this eternal fountain of love from the triune God. And we receive it. We thank you that it brings healing. It teaches us to what family means. It teaches us what it means to be church. Your love teaches us who we are. Your love teaches us to see things rightly, to see you rightly, and to see the world rightly and see one another rightly. We thank you, Lord, for this unfolding glorious plan to the praise of your glory. We thank you for the love of the Father, to the praise of your glory. We thank you for the acceptance and the blood of Jesus, to the praise of your glory. And we thank you for the sweet Holy Spirit that we have been branded, we've been sealed, we've been given an engagement ring and an erabon, Lord, a promise. Lord, we thank you to the praise of your glory. We receive your love. We receive that healing. I pray right now for the healing balm of heaven to pour out. Would you lift your hands with me? And I just pray the radical love of the Father, Son, and Spirit would just crash into every single heart right now in the name of Jesus. Father, in the name of Jesus, we don't have to hide. Lord, we don't have to try to impress. 
performance is broken. We know our significance. We know our value. We know the authentic gospel. As we behold the Lamb of God, we're transformed. We behold the beauty of what you've accomplished through Jesus. We thank you for it. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Amen. Can we just seal it with praise? Come on, thank God for a moment. Hallelujah. Hi, Pastor Zach here at Encounter Church in Rochester, New York. Hope you were blessed by that message. And we want to give you an opportunity to sow into the ministry if you'd like to. If you would, just go to revival.me and click on the button that says give. Thanks again and have a blessed, blessed day.